0: Hello everyone and welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly video game show from com. I'm ben, and with me here today. Are two of the best looking men I've ever seen in my entire life. Plus Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. There's not there's no, there's just two. Just two good looking men. Damn. What's up, dude? I'm doing good, man. I just ate a lot of meat. Oh um, so I'm feeling a little bit uh, a little bit hefty in the stomach area, but you're nothing... gonna have to be more specific. I don't have to be. I would like you to be more specific about the type of meat. <laughs> It's not man meat if that's what you're wondering. No, um, I um I just I like to talk about. Uh, all right, all right, all right. It's uh your good old traditional white people taco night. Oh, nice, um, okay. Just ground beef with packet seasoning, my friend. Okay. Quick, simple, delicious. I don't know about you guys, but I like to make the biggest burrito I possibly can. I I mean it might as well just be meat. What kind of shell did you use? I, I don't know, some big authentic. It wasn't like bleach dyed or anything. I'm I just, found them at Walmart. I'm just asking about soft or hard. Oh, soft always. <laughs> Dude. You, no. like, you like your meat with soft. Dude. I... <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Uh, hard tacos. The only time I enjoy a hard taco is when it's wrapped in a soft taco. Yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Hard tacos crumble. They make a mess. And then the meat and the filling goes everywhere. Anyone? I agree. Anyone who thinks the hard taco is superior, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Yeah, I I agree with you. I understand the idea behind the hard taco, but like anytime I bite into a hard taco, it just splits down the middle and spills all my food out. Yeah, so I'm it's like, just whatever. It's like an inferior utensil for the for I'd the rather meat. crunch it up and put it inside the soft taco. Yes. Yes, I do like the crunch. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll give the hard taco that. Mm-hmm. The crunch factor is acceptable and even wanted at points, mm-hmm. but um yeah man living living good dave tell me about your meat consumption for the day
1: i don't think i've eaten any meat today
0: okay yeah i I,
1: i've i've gone vegetarian today and that wasn't on purpose it's just uh it just so happens i didn't eat any meat today i am planning on eating meat later okay we are throwing some shrimps on the barbie oh it's a nice night for, uh, it's a nice smoky night. I don't I don't know about you guys, but we've got all this wildfire smoke kicking around and it's really hazy and weird. And dude, we nice... got
0: smog. We've we got, got, Yeah. well, we've got some of that lingering down here. I got an alert, a weather alert on my phone today. Like I was thinking like, oh, is there a tornado coming through? I got a <laughs> weather, weather alert. Yeah. Nope. Just telling me how bad the air quality was. So that's I assume the, some of that's from that.
1: Yeah. The wildfires up here in Northern Ontario and, and Quebec, they're, they're invading, um, it's it's not good. It's really hazy and weird outside.
0: You know, it's just typical of Canada trying to get in the U.S. spreading your filth
1: in the most passive aggressive way to light <laughs> a fire like thousands of kilometers away and <laughs> the smoke <laughs> fuck everybody up, including your own people.
0: But, yeah, uh, it's a good night for uh, for a campfire. Then, yeah,
1: <laughs> there's a fire ban like all across. The province. Um, which so I'm on like these Facebook groups, uh like for camping and stuff, and everybody's losing their fucking mind because they've they've like booked camping trips months and months out and uh, yeah. now they can't have a campfire, which it sounds like a little thing, but I i couldn't imagine going camping and not having a fire. Yeah. But you just yeah. you can't have them now. You can't Me have neither.
0: Them. Yeah. What do they just slap you on the wrist? They douse you with a hose. They're probably take you to jail in Canada. <laughs> It's very possible. Dictators up there. It's very possible. Everybody knows how harsh the Canadians are. I think that Justin actually (laughs) shows up and smacks you himself with a ruler. Yeah. I think it's It's like a 25...
1: a $25,000 fine.
0: Wearing 25,000. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess uh, if you consider the fact of how much harm it could potentially do. Yeah. Uh during wildfire season, then yeah, it's probably actually pretty cheap. You're probably yeah. getting off pretty cheap. Yeah, I was to say you're probably getting a deal for how many years in prison that you may receive for killing people. Yeah. <laughs> um, or just destroying yeah. destruction of property and yeah. homes. If you think about it, it's actually it's actually kind of a generosity. That's all lot yeah, more. Absolutely. I mean,
1: so you're saying having a starting a wildfire is the most cost effective way to kill people?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure if you actually started a wildfire, the penalty would be much higher. Just it's just the idea of starting like a little fire in your backyard costing you 25 grand. It's like, yeah. kind of funny to me. So, do you guys have Smokey the bear up there or is he just down here?
1: No, he's up here. He's all right. uh, we've we borrowed him. Uh, he's dressed like a Mounty. Oh, my he? goodness. I, yeah. Yeah. I think he's dressed like a Mountie. That's that's a Canadian thing. Sure, so. sure. I think he was ours first. Uh, hey, no, that is not it, true. Take that's it easy. Take it
0: easy with Smokey. Take it easy. Dude, my kids... So the, my my wife homeschools the kids and she had them, like, for for one of their, I don't know, requirements, had them watch a bunch of, like, fire safety videos with Smokey and everything. Yes. Sure. And they were like, we know all this. Because I've taught them about, like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of and they're used to, like, outside and doing things, you know, whatever. Nature. And they're like, oh, this is so boring. And she's like, I, you just have to watch it. It's a requirement. That's, you know, it's part of the school requirements. Right. And they're like, oh, we know. And the other day we were driving down the road and there was a billboard. Actually, it's in between here and my house. And the uh, they, they were both like, is that Smokey the Bear? I hate that guy. And like, <laughs> oh, no. How do you hate Smokey Dude. the Bear? They're like, we already know everything he says. I'm like, yeah, okay. But some people don't. That's the whole point of them. <laughs> The whole point of them is to not start wildfires. That's right. Come on, dude.
1: I think after seeing the uh, sexual harassment panda in South Park, i i couldn't I couldn't take Smokey serious. So, like, yeah,
0: yeah, it might children, be related.
1: It, it wouldn't work. It
0: wouldn't yeah. Work. Do you think they're related? I don't know. I just you know now it makes me think of what kind of allegations may at one point come out about Smokey. Now, now it's got me thinking in that in that direction. Um, I'm questioning everything. Damn, bro. Can you imagine if the panda? Smokey the Bear and Yogi are all related. There's like a bear safety cinematic universe. Did he and the Cubs? Like Dave's hat. All of them. All in one. Then we have the Wee Bear Bears from HBO. And Paddington, yeah. And Paddington? Holy (laughs) shit. There's a bear conspiracy going on. Bear-spiracy. What about Winnie the Pooh? Nah. Is he in that? He's, that? He, he's a CIA uh, PSYOP, <laughs> I think. Um, too stupid. To be yeah. Against, I mean. MK Ultra agent. <laughs> he, he, he's putting something in that, honey. It's the mad honey. Damn, bro. Y- you see the way Tigger acts? That's LSD. Oh, okay. One oh, my of, God. One of the two. He's fucked up. I almost just went on a tangent <laughs> about Tigger, but I decided not to. It just wasn't worth it. Today, we're going to talk about video games. Because that's what we do supposedly on this show. Uh, if you've been enjoying the bear discussion, you can go over to patreon.com and handsome slash handsome phantom and support us for as little as a dollar a month. Add free early access to the show. We appreciate it. And also, if you want to just hang out with us, whether you're a patron or not, you're welcome to do that over at handsomephantom.com slash discord. We would appreciate seeing you there. I wonder if that link works. We haven't had anybody new join in a couple of weeks. And sometimes those links like go crazy. I have to peep that. That's a little weird. Yeah. Because normally we have like at least a couple people roll in every month. Yeah. But lately it's been maybe just no one. Maybe no one's listening to us right now. And we're just talking <laughs> into the void. That is a possibility I've considered. Very. Speaking of things that are a little bit trippy. Twisted Voxel reports that Bioshock creator's Judas, that means Ken Levine's Judas, features a narrative LEGO system that is highly reactive to the player. Speaking during an interview, Bioshock creator Ken Levine stated that his next game, Judas, will feature what he terms as a narrative LEGO system It will be much more reactive. He also mentioned the team is still working on how exactly they're implementing the narrative LEGO system in Judas, and they haven't talked about it publicly yet. Regarding the development of Judas, Levine stated that he started with a small team and the concept for the new game system, but no specific game characters or world. The development team had to build out everything from scratch, which has ended up taking a long time. He also attributed the lengthy development time to his and his team's commitment to quality and their desire to avoid the high pressure work style of previous projects. He mentions that Levine, he mentioned that the studio has had a lot of people coming in and out of the project, including many people he's worked on before with various games. However, he hasn't really gone into detail about the system himself or itself. So I don't know that I want to get into talking about the narrative Legos or anything necessarily, but just this idea that the game is kind of reactive and all yep. that. And also, so recently, Colin, my boss, did an interview with Ken, and I, I listened to the entire, or I watched the entire thing, but then we had to cut out some for, for um, release, like to release it to the public. And so I don't want to say anything that I heard on that because I don't remember what was in it that <laughs> right. was allowed to be public because it had to go through like the publisher and everything. So I don't want to get too specific, but I just really wanted an opportunity to talk about Judas. Dave, yeah. you want to kick us off? Just Judas. I mean, does this sound like a fascinating concept to you?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're trying something new. Um, it doesn't, we've seen a trailer for Judas and it, it, it certainly looks like, you know in the same creative vein as what we've seen from Ken Levine before and and what we know and love with BioShock um but it is cool to see that they're still taking more chances with um, how the narrative kind of develops over time and um you know Ken's the kind of guy that it sounds like he wants to take his time and he really really wants to get it right and I think we've talked before about he's he's kind of a known perfectionist which which can be a bad thing but um you know we've seen what he could produce in the past so I don't know. I'm really looking forward to seeing more from this game and from this studio. And uh, you know, I hope we don't start to hear about development hell or anything like that from this, because again, they're they're it seems like an ambitious but uh but interesting kind of project going forward. Brandon. Yes. Yeah.
0: No, I th- I think that the Legos you're talking about, the narrative Legos, um, is an interesting concept. I really wonder how much that's actually going to practically be able to be applied. Because even games like, let's take Until Dawn for instance, Mm. like the butterfly effect, what you're doing is really affecting the story. And to some extent it really does, but oftentimes in video games there is the illusion of choice. And it would be really cool to see something really deeply um, impactful. Um, Not many games can do something that deep. A lot of it is usually very surface level. So hopefully they will be able to Uh, you know, make something that's kind of unique. And I I like the idea of it. It sounds cool. Um, But yeah, I am always slightly worried, um, you know, when you hear about games. So we'll see. Um, It looks really cool, but we don't really know a whole lot aside from the trailer and this. It's interesting to me, he says that they haven't totally worked out um, the system. Yeah. Because this game's been in development for a long time. And I would imagine if that's a key component of the game, that's going to be in development for a lot longer. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. It seemed kind of like something you would need figured out. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, guess. I have no doubt that it'll get done. But yeah, I, I think what I'm taking most from this interview is that the game is not coming anytime soon. Yeah. Which is fine with me, frankly. I mean, I of course, I want to play it. But with as much as I respect Ken's work, uh, knowing that it is going to be right when it comes out is much more exciting to me than playing it sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is a little bit older news. A couple, well, a few days, but it says uh, Star Wars KOTOR expansion content for the Nintendo Switch has been cut. They said, we'd like to thank the KOTOR community for their immense passion and support for the star Wars Knights of the old Republic series. That passion allowed us to remake this, to bring this timeless series to the Nintendo switch. We are forever grateful. Sadly, today we're announcing that the restored content DLC for the Nintendo switch version of star Wars KOTOR two, the Sith Lords will not be moving forward for this release. We'd like to thank everyone for their continued support by providing complimentary video game key to players that purchased the game. On Nintendo Switch before this announcement, and then they give you a whole list of things, um, both on Steam and on Switch that you can choose from. You have to email them and submit a request along with your proof of purchase. Hmm. So, Dave, as the lead proponent for AAA games on Nintendo Switch, uh, how does this make you feel? Along with all the other issues this game had,
1: um, people are actually going to return this game. People, pre- so it's just the DLC that's getting canceled. Yeah, yeah. People intention. like pre-ordered and, and bought it and stuff. That's, that's yeah. crazy. It's not looking good if if you if you were looking for that Kotor remake ever coming to Switch, then uh, you know I, I hang on to your receipts for that. <laughs> Man, I feel bad for Kotor fans uh, who only have a Nintendo Switch. I'm sure they're out there. There's um, probably
0: at least a couple. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if I, I would like to think people who have a Switch primarily play the first party stuff, because it really is, is starting to seem like. Um, third party anything is not the place to be, uh, on the Nintendo switch. So I don't know. Enjoy Mario, enjoy Zelda, enjoy Metroid, uh, anything else. And I mean, monster Hunter rise was good. You'll also, you'll always have nope. that, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Get a PlayStation people.
0: <laughs> Brendan, do we have any hope and aspire at this point? No, zero. I mean, it's been nothing but bad. Um, I think that this is another step, in the ill will of this entire uh, venture on the switch in general. Um, and yeah, I just, I just feel bad for people that are a fan of this absolutely legendary series. Um, you know, being able to play it in a new way, uh, not on PC and uh, just being disappointed at every turn. So yeah, it sucks. It, it really sucks. And um, makes you wonder why it happened ever in the first place. So as someone who hates Nintendo as much as they love them, Which I think is all three of us, but uh, I do love Nintendo. I do love the Switch. I've played pretty much every first party game they've put out on the Switch, and many, many indies. And I just am just further convinced that that's the right move. Play some indies, play the first party, like Dave said, and everything else. Don't bother, yeah. Unless it's a free to play game or something, and then maybe you could have a shot at it. But do you really want to play a free to play game on the Switch? I guess if that's all you have, you do.
1: It's weird though because every once in a while there's a game that comes along that I'm I'm like that would be perfect on the Switch and Midnight Suns is one of them mm, yeah. and it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's exceptions to the it. rule, but generally speaking, uh, Switch is a first party machine. And I think
0: I think the reason it would be perfect on Switch is because it's mobile, not because it's on the Switch. Right. So I think that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. So. So you could just get a Steam Deck, right? For a couple hundred dollars more, right? And have better frame rate than you did on this. Yeah. <laughs> according to games business, games industry games business industry dot it it's a whole thing I can't read <laughs> games industry dot biz uh the ceo of sony corporation has said that while cloud technology holds potential for games it is difficult and costly to make it into a sustainable proposition kenichiro yoshida discussed kenichiro I'm just going to say Yoshida. Sure. Discussed cloud gaming in an interview with the Financial Times where he said that PlayStation firm will continue to look at various options for cloud gaming, but is said to have played down the risks Sony faces if the industry shifts towards this technology. Quote, I think cloud itself is an amazing business model, but when it comes to games, the technical difficulties are high. So there will be challenges to cloud gaming, but we want to take on those challenges. He said that the latency is the biggest challenge that cloud gaming faces, but also pointed to various cost issues. For example, cloud gaming services face cost inefficiencies in that servers are mostly idle for the day, with traffic spiking during the evening as users get the time to play games. He claimed that this has been a key issue for Microsoft, as well as Google's defunct cloud gaming service Stadia. But Sony has been putting this time to use by training its artificial intelligence agent, GT Sophie, to beat human players in Gran Turismo. (laughs) Sony was one of the early movers in cloud gaming, having acquired Gaikai in 2012 for $380 million and later purchased the technology of its rival OnLive. I didn't even know OnLive was still around in 2012. (laughs) I don't remember. maybe, Maybe it was even later than that. The potential dominance of cloud gaming as a distribution channel has stalled Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, a deal Yoshida declined to comment on. Brandon, we've often maligned and shown disgust towards cloud gaming. Yeah. Turns out might be harder than we thought. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, we kind of knew that, but they they totally recognize latency right at the front. But one of the things I hadn't thought of was these servers the are just sitting. Some of them are just sitting idle yeah. for most of the day. Not getting spun up till the evening. What's wrong with that? I mean, I guess still taking like I I don't know. I guess it's just the cost to keep them available. Yeah, while they're not being used, isn't that just keeping them powered on? I would assume. I don't really know a whole lot about how that works, so that's confusing. Because there's giant server farms, right? Yeah. Now and clearly, I mean, from the beginning, we've said that this is a technology that is on the cusp of being readily available for most people, but it clearly takes a lot of resources. And we knew that even before this interview. It's kind of cool to hear Sony chime in because there has been a lot of question yeah. and there has been some streaming. I mean, I, I, I've i tried this streaming on Sony and it's still not that great. Um, and you even tried it with older titles that yeah. should theoretically run better. Right, right, right. So, I mean, it's passable, but I think we are still... Uh, And, you know, obviously we've said this before, but I think we're still a long ways off from it being both cost effective um, and a good experience. And I think that's kind of the key there is that it not only doesn't work as well, but the company has to be able to reasonably apply it and make money off of it for them to want to do it at all. Right. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think that factor both um really kind of is just keeping it at bay. I mean, we see entire companies go down for stuff like this like Stadia. So right. They've uh Stadia apparently made it work okay. You know, the, their business model I think was more the issue than the technology. But uh how's Microsoft doing it? I mean, is it just do they just have so much money they can do whatever they want and just throw it at it?
1: Yeah, I mean they've 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 got the the financial and and sort of technological backing from you know microsoft and and all the you know different infrastructure and assets that they kind of own so yeah i mean that's exactly it they can throw a lot of money at this issue and um it, but i don't know the more we talk about this the more i, I think that uh, it's it's pretty much a done deal that we're going to have another generation of consoles Uh, There was there was a time, you know, a few years ago when I kind of thought that the PlayStation 5 and Series X and stuff like that was going to be the last generation because we were moving towards these totally digital storefronts and and platforms. But I don't know this. I I feel like competitive gaming is it's definitely not shrinking. Um, I would I would assume it's probably getting a lot larger with things like, um, you know, uh, Warzone and, and Fortnite and, and that kind of stuff, and those are those are cash cows where like latency just doesn't fly. And if the technology doesn't work um, well enough, where response time is an issue, then it's it's just not going to be a desirable approach for gamers. Um, so I still think we're a ways away. Um, I'm I, I'm listening to what you you kind of read here, Ben, um, from. Uh, the article and I'm I was kind of wondering like is there a, a stance on this that's kind of posturing against you know Microsoft's uh, possible monopoly with crowd uh, cloud gaming I know that's that's the whole reason why um, that European Commission kind of blocked it was like you can't allow Microsoft to have that monopoly but from a technical standpoint it kind of looks like they're the only ones who might be able to figure this out so I'm wondering how this plays into all of that.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing, Dave. There's definitely a part of me that's like, are they only dissing cloud gaming in order to hurt their competition? Because Microsoft clearly has the lead right now of the people who are doing it in cloud gaming. And so that doesn't make sense. But at the same time, you're right. Like, it it really just says, like, well, we're not going to be able to figure it out. Right. So how's it a monopoly? If you're not even trying to enter the market? I don't get that. I really don't. So in... Uh, Honestly, it seems like it should be like, well, if somebody can figure it out, they should they should be able to do it. Right. I don't know. And yeah. I mean, Microsoft's I never used Stadia, but I heard it was pretty good. But Microsoft service, at least in my area, is not been particularly great. The couple times I've tried it now, in fairness, it could be the Internet. It could be my distance from the servers, could be my hardware, it could be any number of things. I don't know. But overall, it just hasn't seemed it's not that bad. Right. everywhere else other people seem to be enjoying it so i don't know i don't really know what the angle here is but it seems like there's probably more than just one angle my my guess is they were asked questions about cloud cloud gaming and commented on it back to nintendo for a minute did this out of order a little bit according to Kotaku, nintendo switch online gets another weird assortment of classic games i'm not sure why they uh why they said weird assortment because they seem like perfectly fine games to me i mean, we've, we've got mystery tower uh blaster master enemy below two of the two of the most favorite uh games in the world um kirby tilt and tumble for the game boy color that is a game that i have memories of but don't have fond memories of i don't know if it's a i didn't have it but i don't remember if it's good or not and then harvest moon for uh super nintendo which is a pretty pretty likable game a lot of people very much like that game and that's it's it's like kind of an early predecessor to stardew absolutely yeah yeah so harvest moon is one that directly people are into i i really wanted to be able to talk about have you guys really used the switch online service much nintendo online i have it i you both they both shook their heads for all the audio listeners out there Uh, they both shook their heads at me so they said no a little bit okay a little bit barely so i have the subscription the family subscription for the switch online mostly for cloud saves Mm -hmm. but also Um, A lot of it is because my nine year old, who was a lot younger when we got it, like he loves new games, but he's very much into playing the NES games and like a lot of uh, older games that just aren't as accessible. And I have the old hardware. I just don't have uh, all the old games. Right. Um, So it is nice for that. But I don't know. I mean, I know they have the multiple tiers now and, you know, some things only get added to the higher tiers, which is fine. But the base version I think it's worth the money if you're someone who enjoys those older games. Now, I pay for it and barely play any of them right. at all ever, but I will gladly spend 30 bucks a year, 35 bucks a year um, for the combination of cloud saves and for the opportunity for my kid to be able to play old games that I just know I don't I'm not going to have access to. Right. It seems like a worthwhile endeavor to me. No, yeah, I feel like the library has grown significantly since the beginning of the switch. yeah, um, there definitely is value there now where I feel like maybe towards the beginning it was a little bit iffy. They've done a decent job in and making it enticing. um, you know, obviously, you have to be interested in playing the old stuff, but um, yeah, yeah, no, props to them for, and I love that they put stuff like Game Boy Advance and stuff on there. I mean, I feel yeah. like that's wonderful, so I agree. Put fucking Pokemon on there, you goddamn cowards. I think they are. The old Pokemon. Announced. The yeah. old po- Really? I don't know about all That's of wild. them, but I think there's a couple of, of the original ones. Th- that would be awesome. That have been either announced or rumored. Yeah. But that you would help. F- Nintendo and rumors. Yeah. It's a weird world out there. And <laughs> Nintendo rumor space. Uh, according to 505 Games, they say that exciting news comes out of WWDC 2023. That's Apple's event, for those who don't know. 505 Games are partnering with Kojima to bring Death Stranding Director's Cut to Apple's Mac later this year. Uh, This was a big thing in the um, WWDC, you know, the annual conference that that Apple has to reveal a bunch of stuff. And uh, Death Stranding coming to Mac. And then apparently a bunch of other AAA quality games are coming to Mac as well. Dave, it's not traditionally been a gaming platform it used like way back in the apple two days it was more of a gaming platform but do we see apple entering the gaming space in a different way than just you know candy crush and flappy bird or wait flappy bird was only on the android wasn't it <laughs> no i think it was ios for okay a while. yeah right. dave what do you what do you make on uh seems like apple's making a bit of a push to maybe include some more games
1: yeah, I'm wondering if they're if they're testing the waters or if they're just trying to satiate that kind of um appetite from from those hardcore Apple people to see what the you know what the appetite is really like for for gaming. Um, you know, they have streaming devices out there and um I'm thinking about like every time I turn on my fire TV, I get an ad for Fortnite running on Luna. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that seems really cool. I'd like to try that. Right. Um, so, you know, with Apple TV and we've seen that Apple is is investing a decent amount of money in, in some of the content that's coming up on Apple TV to compete with like Netflix and Prime Video and stuff. Is there going to be more of a push for gaming on that? You know, I know we're seeing it come to, to hardware now, but, um, you know, is this a case of um, kind of testing the waters to see what those appetites are like for... Uh, for this sort of thing, because, you know, we just had the discussion about cloud gaming, but I mean, there still seems to be investment in in, in that sort of thing. So maybe it, it could be a push in that direction. Who knows? Yeah,
0: uh, I think that this probably is a slight push. I think that they are far, far, far from being any sort of contender in the, uh, uh, you know, PC slash Mac space. Um, but now this is good. This is good for everybody. I wish that there was a world where it was equal. Um in fact, I don't see why it isn't, but I guess they never prioritize this. So maybe this is a step in the right direction. Um to be honest with you, every time I used to play on Mac mm-hmm. in, in college, I, that's all I had. So I played on Mac, and most of the time the games just ran like shit for Mac. Yeah, compared to the, you know, the ports were just bad. right? So that's kind of a big problem. Um, and I hope that, you know, maybe there will be a more concise push to kind of, you know, get the people in. I don't know. Sure. The install base on Mac is huge. Yeah. I have no idea why they aren't realizing that they could make a lot of money putting a bunch of games on their app store. Like, I feel like it just makes sense. And if you make good games and good ports on your OS people will buy them because people have Macs. So I don't know. I'm confused as to why it's taken so long, but I'm hoping that this is, uh, you know, a good foot forward um, for gaming on Mac. Sure. We'll see. Yeah. I think it's uh an interesting thing because it's, I don't think they're better for gaming. I don't think they are either, like, but I, we'll see if they can turn themselves into that. Like the option, right. you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. And there are a lot of steam games that are, that are, if you buy them on Steam, they're they'll work on right. Mac. Yeah. But there are so many more that aren't. Yeah. And even if they just made some more of those able to work on, you know, the new Mac hardware. I I don't know. I don't know that it's worth it still, but the option, you're right. It is nice to yeah. have an option if it works. Yeah. And if you have a Mac, it's like, why can't I play a lot of these games? Right. You know? It yeah. just doesn't doesn't make sense. So
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.
0: According to PC Gamer, a publisher has apologized after fans spot signs of AI generation in a contract artist Duke Nukem promo illustration. So this goes back, okay, we got we got to step back for a minute. There's this company that makes a system called the Evercade. Okay. The Evercade, there are two of them. There there is one that is a handheld gaming console that has about 4 to 5 hours of battery life, and then there's one that is a home console. Uh, that is 1080p, has two cartridge slots, and they have about 300 games available. I think uh, the handheld is 720, maybe, 720p. At any rate, they're not systems we hear about very often, but they are systems that have popped up. And I have thought, that seems interesting, but I'm not spending the money on it. I forget what they are, but they were, whatever it was, it wasn't like enough for me just to be like, yeah, sure, let's do that. right? But... They are making a new bundle where they are going to be putting out here. Let me let me find it real quick again. Um, There's a new console, like a a special edition console that's called the Versus Console, and it's going to be called the Atomic Edition, and it will include the Duke Nukem Collection 1, Duke Nukem Collection 2, which includes Duke Nukem Remastered, Duke Nukem 2 Remastered, Duke Nukem 3. Time to Kill, Land of the Babes, and Duke Nukem Advance, which Duke Nukem Advance by itself is hard to get because it, and then the other, on the, on the Advance, there's just not many copies. Anyway, so that's the background. That's what the Evercade is, if anybody wasn't familiar. The story. Earlier this week, Blaze Entertainment announced a new Duke Nukem collection for its Evercade retro handheld, which will include remasters, yada, yada. Uh, wow, well, it wasn't really a big deal as game announcements go, but it became one that pe- when people figured out in very short order, that blaze had used AI generated art and promotional images for the bundle. At first blush, the image looks innocuous enough. It's Duke Nukem standing on some big dead thing, guns in hand, blasting away at stuff off screen. But as Kotaku pointed out, there are several red flags. I think some of it's overstated according to this author, but the guns are noticeably out of perspective. And there's no doubt that the right trigger finger on his right hand just ain't right. Uh, any doubts about whether the a- image was AI generated seemed to be put to rest when Blaze took the images down and issued an official apology that said, "Quotes: An artist was commissioned to produce a lead image for the new Duke Nukem One and Two remastered game developed by Blaze Entertainment. It's abundantly clear from the response on social media that the work on this commission has fallen below the expectation and the standards demanded by fans due to the artist's use of AI in the process. We are immediately removing the art, where possible, etc., etc., etc. So." Obviously, this caught my attention because it's Duke Nukem and, you know, I like Duke Nukem, but it also caught my interest because I'm really fascinated by AI and what it's going to be able to accomplish or be able to destroy in the future. Yeah. So, Brandon, your thoughts on. Yeah, we haven't quite perfected Duke Duke Nukem or AI (laughs) art. Right. uh, But how do you think? I mean, does this impact the the industry in bigger ways going forward? We, We right now we see basically like, you know, they're. They they hired somebody right. and it appears he just generated something with an AI. Yeah, I mean, so there's a a, a really large um, like philosophical uh, debate ar- yeah. around this, but like in a very broad and non-specific way as far as AI art goes, for me, it's more nuanced than I'm about to make it. But right. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, who cares? Who fucking cares? The finger looks weird. What he could have just as easily done would be generated this in AI and then touched it up himself and then nobody would have said anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, like I said, it's way more nuanced and I know people could potentially lose jobs to this sort of thing and there's people that pour time and money into these sort of things, but... Um, much like uh, a computer software takes everything that it's seeing on the internet. And much like when you have taken everything that you viewed in your life and put it into a work, it's like kind of similar in that way. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I think this is very strange uh, and clearly that was the case. I mean, based off of the response that the company gave, it must've been a little fishy, but um, overall if it was a cool art, So what? <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I, I, the finger was wonky and the gun looked weird. Okay. Yeah. Dave, I will say that I saw this image before I saw the headline and didn't notice anything weird. And to me, yes, the, this one ended up, it was AI generated. Sure. But are we just going to start seeing people jump out and say, oh, that's AI. The things that people have actually created. Oh, absolutely.
1: I Probably. I mean, it's, we're gonna see a lot in writing, and, yeah. and I don't know how you pick up on that. But so, first of all, I just want to say I, I I was aware of this story, but I hadn't seen the art, and I'm looking at it now, and I actually really like the art. I yeah. think it's it's very Duke Nukem. I like the guy in the background. I like the look on Duke's face. Um, you know, I I do see the finger, but I I'm not really seeing anything in the guns. But I mean, obviously, there's people out there who know a lot about how AI generation works, but. I mean it, it is a threat to to genuine creativity but it's i mean this ai stuff is so far reaching and it has such impact i work at a college and faculty are losing their minds over this because like like we used to growing up we used to worry about forgery and it was pretty easy to find forgery because you could just copy and paste it but it's kind of tough to find if, if something has generated something um that's written and and again i think that's where we're going to see a lot of this and will we ever notice if if something was written by an AI and not an actual creative person, but um, you know, if it, if it, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it frees up um, more time and resources for making better graphics or, or, you know, more quality games at launch or stuff like that. So, I mean, there's, there's a potential positive to this, but yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a weird weird time and and chat gpt certainly has turned the whole world on its head uh in the matter of you know just about 10 months or so so but yeah i gotta say i like this art even yeah yeah, it's actually cool
0: art i agree (laughs) the the really interesting thing is um with chat gpt in particular and this isn't necessarily related to art as much as it is with writing i think we're not very far from it being indiscernible from a specific style or or whatever of a of an individual like right now you could go into the chat gpt type in a bunch of facts and say now write this in the the you know the style of hemingway or something like that right and it'll do it and there are some tells that chat gpt has but it's not going to be like like the, that makes you know it's ai or at least have doubts about whether it's human gener- generated but it won't be long in my opinion before it can ai its way out of that like it, it's going to be able to synthesize eventually what makes it discernible from original well it is original but from human work and you know you can i mean you can literally give because i've done a lot of playing around with with chat gpt and like you can type something and be like tell me about for instance tell me about duke Dukum," and it'll write a whole thing about duke Dukum. and you could say tell me this in the style of a layman writing it somebody who's not very familiar with you know with Technical writing and it'll change it. And you could be like, now tell it to me from the perspective of somebody who was born 20 years ago. Uh, and like you can make it, you can shape it. And it won't be long before you can basically say, like, make this sound like it's not AI. Right. And it'll do it. Right. And I mean, it's just, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And obviously, like you said, there's a lot of philosophical and ethical questions. I don't know if there's problems, but there's questions yeah. that need to be addressed. And um it's, it's not gonna be us that figure it out, that's for sure. Yeah. Not the three of us. But maybe. And ultimately it's like the computer cannot be a human brain. Right. No matter what. Not not right now. So it's like not yet. Just <laughs> just make it better. Yeah. Just be better. You versus the bot. That's that's the world we're in right now. Thanks, Grant Trismo. I was I saw some memes of like uh when AI when ai works but you but you screwed up anyway or something like that and one of them was like somebody turned in a, an essay and yeah. the teacher wrote like you would have gotten an a if you didn't leave in the first paragraph and the first paragraph's like the typical thing that chat gpt spits out that's like as an artificial intelligence i can't quite you know like like it gives you a warning about what's <laughs> right. about the right right it's like you would have gotten an a on this had had you just been smart enough to not leave right that in Dude, I always yell at my Alexa. I'm going first. They're going to kill me. <laughs> I I shit talk my Alexa so much. The Verge reports that a group of former CD Projekt Red developers have formed their own studio named Blank. Uh, there is a period after the Blank, by the way. Um, blank period. Quote, we're thrilled to announce Blank and to start expanding our incredible team, said Knick, who worked for the Cyberpunk 2077 developer for 15 years before co-founding Blank. Blank is one of a number of studios born from former CD Projekt Red developers in the last couple of years. In 2022, Rebel Wolves was founded and is working on a AAA dark fantasy RPG. Dark Passenger was also formed last year with its team working on an online multiplayer co-op game set in feudal Japan. It is perhaps a nod to their studio's unique name, In what is perhaps a nod to their studio's unique name, Blank's founder stated in the press release announcing the company that it's committed to bringing beautifully crafted games and unique experiences to players favoring novel territory rather than well-trodden ground. Now, Dave, I wanted to bring this up because we talked a little while back about how all these people from Playground were going off and making their own studios. Now we've seen, I think this is the third or fourth studio in the last year or so coming out of uh, CD Projekt Red, is this is it good that people are leaving well-known studios to create smaller ones, or is it something to be concerned about?
1: I think it's good. Um, all it's going to do is breed more competition, um, both you know, in creating games that we love, but also in creativity. Um, I think it shows that you know a lot of the the stronger players in this industry aren't willing to stand or, or sorry are willing to stand up to um shitty work environments and and i think what we got out of cyberpunk 2077 was was a result of that so um you know it shows creators in the industry that there are greener pastures out there where they can continue, continue to do what they love and and do it in in an environment that uh is a little bit better for you know kind of mental health but it also shows those bigger developers um and publishers that like you can't pull this shit like for too much longer because people will leave and there are opportunities out there for them to um, you know, make something in a better environment. So uh, this is good. And and I do like seeing when um, developers leave kind of larger studios like this because like they generally make good stuff. Um, they also are, you know, are able to take with them their creative freedom and like the ascent that was one of my favorite games from two years ago. And I'm pretty sure Neon Giant, that studio was an offshoot. I think it was from CD Projekt Red. Right? I'm, I'm not oh, okay. sure, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this usually results in, in good, not only good product, but, you know, a better um, sort of way of, of making video games. So I'm all for seeing more of this.
0: Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just kind of what Dave said, honestly. I mean, I think new studios often mean uh, new IP. Yeah. Not not always, um, but I think that in, in expanding games industry is always something that I encourage. You know, we talk so much about how we love new IP and this is exactly what's happening. I mean, we're seeing it before our eyes, um, you know, developers being able to potentially be more creative in a different way. Um, and exactly what Dave said. I mean, some of the best games that have ever been made have been made from game developers who have left. Maybe they haven't always made their new, uh, you know, their own studio but um sometimes a, a shift in career a shift in scenery so to speak um it's kind of just what these people need so um this is good this is great news and i love seeing over the past year or two we've seen so many studios pop up um and it's just a good time uh, to be playing games because it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be slowing down it really doesn't so yeah i pretty much entirely agree with what both of you guys have said the only pushback i would say or at least maybe not even pushback, but food for thought is not all of these studios are going to work out No, certainly that's just I mean, that's capitalism. Yeah, it's just numbers. But um, it kind of makes me sad to know that like people are going off and leaving steady jobs that are very creative to do their own thing. And some of them are going to fail and maybe not even get the game out, let alone have the game do well. And so it just um, potentially more disappointment for players. But more importantly, in my opinion, disappointment for people who are making the games but I think that's a very minimal risk for the potential benefit of more games more great games for that matter yeah absolutely so. uh, a couple more here um twisted voxel says that they spoke with Brian andhar and Intah- I, I i've seen his name for years I just realized I don't think I've ever said it the creative director for Marvel Spider-Man 2 and he said that the game's world map is around twice the size of the one found both in both previous games in terms of new locations that have been added to the game world he mentioned both Queens and Brooklyn according to him according to the creative director Brooklyn and Queens are rather small residential areas and they have their own charm in comparison to Manhattan He added that Insomniac has created exciting new situations that haven't been seen in prior entries, such as battles taking place along rivers that pass through cities. With regards to the game switching between Peter Parker and Miles Morales, game director Ryan Smith told Famitsu that there are sections where the character switching is dictated by the story mission at hand. However, when exploring the open world outside of story missions, players can freely switch between both characters. He said in a message to fans that he wants players to feel that Spider-Man 2 isn't just a sequel, but a new experience for the two heroes. The personal conflicts of Peter and Miles are also depicted, and he hopes fans will find the parallel between both individual stories. Interesting. Brandon, I mostly wanted to talk about this. Uh, well, of course, I like the idea of of it being a bigger world, and I assume much of Manhattan will be recycled, uh, hopefully upcycled as well, but also the expanding opportunities. But I just kind of wanted to get another... Yeah. After it's been a couple of weeks since we've seen footage from spider-man i wanted to get another gut check on how you're feeling about the game yeah no it um it's obviously very exciting um i think that having not finished the first spider-man game i feel like i i never finished it man i i liked miles morales way more than the first one i found the first one kind of boring um and i think i was trying to be too broad with my scope of what i wanted to accomplish in the game instead of just like mainlining it um which is what I do with a lot of open world games. Sure. But um, Miles was like the perfect package for me. So to hear that it's larger, I guess, isn't necessarily a good thing for me specifically. I think for most people, it would be a better thing. Um, I love that there'll be a variety of different environments. Um, I think that a more residential area would definitely be slightly different than what we've played before. Um, and we've obviously seen the footage um unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. Um, <laughs> from the river sequence. Um, so obviously really, really cool. And I love to hear that you'll be able to kind of GTA it and switch to whatever character you want at any point. I think that's really cool. Um, Most any point, not story. Right, Yeah, right. Um, but no, I think that's going to be unique and um, definitely will bring a different vibe to the story in general um, based off of what we've already even seen. So uh, this is good. I have no doubt that this is going to be an amazing game um yeah i guess i'm just excited for it nothing new to add really it's just it looks good and it's gonna play good i'm confident um that there will be very little issues around this based on what we've already seen we've seen too much for it to to you know kind of fall on its face i think i agree they do some great work especially with one of my favorite ip dave you were a little soured on uh, miles if i remember correctly Or maybe it was just the fact that you didn't want to go for the platinum because you had to play it through a second time. But how are you feeling about the game?
1: I was initially soured at the price. Um, And yeah, the platinum in general, I I don't like that multiple playthrough. But um, this is a tricky situation because anytime you make three Spider-Man games, like Spider-Man is set in Manhattan, and Mm -hmm. you have to find ways to kind of breathe new life into this exact same city every time you make a sequel. So I mean, for miles Morales, they dump snow on it. And I think that was enough to make it feel different. And it was technically DLC. It was standalone, but I, I still think that was enough. Um, you know, making the map bigger by adding the burrows, if it makes sense, like narratively, then I I'm okay with that. And, uh, you know, I know again, they have to do something just to make it feel like a, a you know, a, an installment as opposed to just another game set in Manhattan. So, um, you know, they got to do it. And I'm sure they're, they're going to set a lot of the story missions and, and dump a lot of, of the side content in those new areas just so you're not kind of doing the same stuff in the same spot. But, yeah, they're they're kind of stuck in, in between a rock and a hard place with this because, like, you have to use the same city. Like, you can't up and move Spider-Man to, like, right. San Francisco or something. But
0: I mean – you could move them to europe
1: like they did in the in the movies recently yeah. but <laughs> yeah and i i mean that's an idea but uh yeah. i guess not one they're going for but no. um yeah i mean this is okay it's we saw the trailer and and it's it's running on the same engine but it still looks great and i I'm, I'm really pumped for this story um yeah. i think the way they've got it set up with uh you know um craven the hunter coming in and and you've got you know reptile running around the city and craven's hunting him and and you know Peter's all pissed off and and Venom is lurking around somewhere like it it's really intriguing sort of story setup so I'm really looking forward to this one and uh you know my my expectations are low when it comes to the open world cuz again what what more can they really do with that so you know we see something like Zelda where it's like they kind of use the same world for Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild but they they added like a sky and in the depths and changed right. a bunch of stuff, but like you, you don't really have that creative freedom in this. particular, <laughs> Right. Episode, so.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, the kind of the appeal of Spider-Man is the New York aspect of it, uh, but you mentioned the story and the, the different tone and everything. And the uh, article from Eurogamer said that they were chatting with uh, Brian again. And they said that while the setting of characters were familiar, the game's darker tone was not something much the darker tone was not something much discussed online afterwards. I'm getting confused at the writing here, but basically the quippy and amiable Peter Parker now seemed frustrated and snappy while his new symbiote suit gave off a very different reptilian like vibe. Parker seemed to relish in this suit's slithering writhing potential and slammed his adversaries to the ground with simmering range rage, not range, man. I'm having a rough time here. Um, and they just talked a little bit about how they're having to balance that difference in the mood and everything with um with the characters changing a little bit. And of course, anybody familiar with you know Spider-Man lore from the from the comics and everything um, knows a lot about the the black suit and the symbiote and everything. So it's, I mean, it will I, be I, interesting I, to see.
1: Yeah, and I that's the thing is like I. I, I feel like Angry Spite Angry Peter Parker has never been done particularly well and we all mm-hmm. remember Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 and how bad that was. That was phenomenal Dave, you shut your mouth. But I even no, like really think bad. back to like the cartoon <laughs> series that I grew up on as a kid and I, I remember that that story arc and it just it just felt so out of place but based on what I've seen from that first trailer I think they're mo- moving in the right direction with with this angry Spider-Man, but yeah, I, mm-hmm. I've never really, I don't recall it being done well. I'm sure it was great in the comic books, but live action a little bit different. So yeah.
0: it's been done multiple different ways in the comics and uh, it hasn't even been done well in all of those, in my opinion, but it's definitely been done better in the comics than any other kind of media for sure. So we'll see. I have a feeling that just the fact that this is an interactive medium um, might make it feel a little weird. Like you're like, I don't want to be angry Spider-Man. Right. But That's what you are. But at least you get to play as Miles, who's presumably not very angry, by the way. uh, Unrelated, but related. Saw the new Spider-Verse movie. I want to uh, see that so bad. Uh, Took the kids and the wife and. um, My youngest, who is Spider-Man fan number one in the world, uh, he's only he's only surpassed me recently as being number one fan. Spider-Man came out and was like, that was amazing. I love that movie. And my wife was like, I hated that movie. It was awful. Nothing happened. So I, I don't know. I don't know. She's like she did admit there were some redeeming factors to it, but she just didn't like it as much as the first um, Spider Verse movie. So, was there? I um, thought it was great. Was there uh, Spider Man footage from the video game in the movie? I I think I saw that. If I told you that, it'd be a spoiler for people who don't want to know. True. We'll see. And also, I don't think so. I I remember that, (laughs) dude. I swear, I saw on. Maybe somebody doctored an image, but I, I swear on like a monitor that's like off to the side. There is like Sp- Spider-Man video game gameplay. Oh, that may very well be the case. There is a lot of things in the first one that I didn't pick up till like the second or third viewing of it. Yeah, and of course I've seen that movie many times because my son loves it. Um, he uh, his next in line is the one where the magic guy is in it. Is okay. What he told me, okay, um, that was uh, No Way Home. That's a good um, one too. Yeah, <laughs> Jake <Jirenhor>. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait was it no way home you're talking about far, far from, from home. home he's talking about oh, no wait, way is home. he
1: talking about mysterio or he's Doctor talking about, strange
0: he's talking about dr strange
1: oh, oh okay yeah. yeah
0: not i thought he was talking about mysterio too and not, he goes no the wizard guy I'm oh like, okay you mean dr strange he goes yeah doctor i'm like you know dr strange's name benny come on i wanted to save this last piece of news for uh right before what you've been playing section According to Wario, who broke down a, an article from Business Wire that I'm not reading, says Diablo 4 launches and immediately sets new record as Blizzard Entertainment's fastest selling game of all time. Quote, in the four days since early access started on June 1st, Diablo 4 has been played for 93 million hours. Jesus. Quote. Now, they didn't give um, uh, details on how many copies had been sold, as far as I could tell. But 93 million hours in four days. That's a lot of hours. And probably a lot of players, dude. We can cure cancer. We can. We just won't, <laughs> Brandon. I know you've been playing Diablo four since the early access. Yeah, I held off. A friend actually gifted me Diablo four, and I refused to spend twenty dollars to play it for four days early, which I knew I wouldn't even have time to play it. But I've played some anti shill. That's been anti. I'm, no, I am normally the shill <laughs> for things for things I love. I am kind of a shill sometimes. But before you start, Dave, I know you said you were thinking about Diablo. Has that been a possibility for you yet?
1: No, okay. it's uh no. Okay, I've stuff going on in my life, it just doesn't make sense to pay that right now because I'm gonna be moving and stuff. But uh Yeah. That- I just I have to say I love it is so blizzard, it is so Activision Blizzard for them to uh capitalize on their colossal server fuck up from all those years ago with Diablo that everybody remembers that like every time there's a launch like this like people just remember and you know um what was the other one that recently launched? Overwatch 2 Overwatch it's yeah. like th- there's an opportunity here for us to over or charge extra for people who want to get in early when there's shorter lineups yeah so yeah i mean it's good true. for them. Good that's for a
0: good point point. and for for the, what i understand uh, there have been very few issues yeah as far as server minimal go. yeah minimal i yeah. think that server slam they did and when they said they thought it was gonna be a good launch paid off yeah for sure yeah, but brandon cool. um i figured lead into you yeah we'll talk about diablo first man um it's gonna kind of spoil my what what i've been playing well this is what you've been playing I oh mean, gotcha is, yeah, awesome. no it's been it's been wonderful um i did get it the full four days early mm-hmm. um it was the perfect opportunity to be able to play it on a friday night um when i had the whole weekend in front of me so i did shill out the money yeah um but now did you buy the the middle edition or the supreme edition whatever they're called there is nothing good to buying the supreme edition you get an emote and tier skips yeah it's it it doesn't make any sense to me it i don't know why anyone would buy it but so so you shilled but only a little bit yeah i'm like a mid-tier mid-shelf shill shill okay um but no it's just as good as the beta. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited to finally get my teeth into it, um, to really explore the world. Uh, there's still so much of it I don't know, and I love that about it. Um, I've only built one character so far, the Necromancer, but we'll be starting another character tonight, um, and really just am enjoying the story. I, I I think that... I I say I'm enjoying the story, but... I love playing Diablo, and the story is really interesting. Like, the cutscenes really helped to break up what wasn't there in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, before, it was just like a lot of third person view and, you know, people talking. In past games, you mean? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, the pacing has been really cool, and the cutscenes from Blizzard are always super, super top tier. Um, and this does not fall short at all. So I'm interested to see how they're going to continue to support the game. I think that. We kind of talked about this before the show started, but as far as like the moment to moment, it very much is just more of the same. Um, which is actually exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Um. You know, better graphics, new <laughs> new stuff to get. Um, but I'm excited to see how they'll implement season one. I was really desperately hoping it would be on launch, but like every other company, for some reason, they make you fucking wait. Yeah. Um. So I guess we'll see. I think there, there's a huge potential for it to be an ever-changing world. I think they've already mentioned even that the overall world, I didn't know for sure, but, there is just one world in the other games that you would like go to different sections of the map. It's just one big map. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty large though. Um, but I guess seems gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. there's all the dungeons. No, no. Yeah, exactly. It's, It definitely, it's probably the size, if not bigger, than all of the other small worlds combined. You know what I mean? So, um, but I think they've already said that uh, the world itself will be changing Mm -hmm. um, throughout. So I'm going to be interested to see how that kind of refreshes the game. And I think they've always done a decent job at um, supporting the Diablos Mm -hmm. post-launch, at least with things to do. Um, So, yeah, just really looking forward to... um, getting past level 50 and starting on my Paragon, I feel like a lot of people might not feel this way, but the game really for me starts once you fully leveled your character, because that's when you could do the best stuff. You could start min-maxing your builds. Um, You could start creating your character exactly the way you want them, um, upping the walk speed. Um, No pets, which is kind of disappointing. Until when? In the game at all, to my knowledge. Oh, really? I thought you... Okay. Oh, I'm thinking of mounts. I'm thinking yeah. of mounts. I'm mounts, thinking. yes, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, love love that addition, but um, really disappointed to see that there's no pets. I'm really just genuinely hoping this is something they bring back. Well, wait, didn't they... Wasn't one of the rewards for the beta a pet? Uh, a back bling that has a dog in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, but it's god i don't really know what to say because we've talked so much about it and it's really obviously exactly the same as the beta um in many ways it's just all the contents now unlocked so um yeah just really really awesome i'm really excited to play with you guys at some point um yeah it's just great it's so much more fun with friends and i mean i'm obviously having fun playing solo but um this game really shines when you're playing with a party so i agree also there's you know, one more thing I will actually say is that it's very interesting some of the choices they made. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know about the scaling. Yes. Everything scales now, which it's is really good. Which is like it po- works really well, I should say. It it does work really well. It it stops you from doing things like just going into the new game plus essentially of the story and fucking like one facing a boss. <laughs> it kind of stops that from happening, which I was kind of fun. Um sure. and you know, uh, dungeons and everything like that will always be challenging um, so I guess that kind of does make it more fun in a way but it was kind of fun to kind of just mow down early game bosses but that's okay it's interesting um, I'm trying to decide exactly how I feel about it yeah. but I'm sure I'll get used to it and it's not in reality it's not that much different So how much have you played since it came out um, hours worth like just, I, I'm just curious I don't know. Hours. I'm like, I'm it, not checking your credentials. I'm just no, curious. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not sure. My character is like level 36 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably like between 10 and 15 hours, maybe. Okay. Yeah. 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 I played. So just briefly, I'll, I'll comment on as well. I played probably four hours last night on release night. And I think I'm like level 15 or 16, somewhere in there. Um, Obviously, I, th- I talked a lot about it during the beta, enjoying it. Uh, I've been playing Diablo for 25 years, and I love it. Yeah. So that's a good sign to me because uh, I don't want to say gatekeepy, but like in things like this, I have a tendency to be gatekeepy. And in this instance, I don't feel that way at all. I'm like, no, this is a a great uh, representation, a great further step in Diablo, and it's everything I want the games to be, and yeah, more. So, absolutely. it's really nice. It's really refreshing. Um, the fact that it's that it's got nice additional features while not breaking the mold is huge for me. And even though three was such a huge step forward from two, from the many years before, uh, it felt a little more. I don't know. It felt a little. It felt a little different. Like, oh, this isn't the Diablo, I remember. But now, this it just feels like the Diablo, I remember. Yeah. Because it's been a gradual um, step from Diablo 2 to Diablo 3 to, to this. So, really enjoying it. Definitely looking to, forward to playing more. I um, think we're going to get a little party up tomorrow night. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, so definitely. What's the max party limit? Uh, I, for some reason, thought it was four, but I it don't might know. Be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. We'll find out. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't have much time into it because I didn't chill out for the early. But... Um, you know, I'm glad you did. There's plenty of got, time. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't know about you, Ben, and I don't want to jump in again, but I think I will be playing this game for a long time. Like, it's yeah. it's definitely something that I feel like I can pop in and out of, and it's something that's going to be there for a while and is always rewarding, especially even, like, in the late, late levels. At least Diablo 3 was the one that I played, like Adventure Mode and everything like that. I, I don't know. know if you ever played that. I didn't play much super of a game Diablo III. Dude, super fun yeah. just to pop in, um, you know. Always exciting to see treasure goblins and everything and like always loot. So it just, it's really awesome to have this again. Um, I guess I could have Diablo three didn't go anywhere, but it's just really awesome that it's so good out the box, at least so far. Right. Um, We'll see how they continue to, you know, grow it. But Dave, what have you been playing?
1: Uh, I've mostly been playing uh, Zelda. I've spent most of my time this week playing like side stuff. I'm, I was just kind of heading to the last of the first four temples, the Gerudo one. And I just thought, you know what, let me just explore a little bit more. And I had a good time kind of taking that approach. Um, I think there's a lot of fun stuff. I, I did that, um, stable band fairy fountain quest line. And I, oh, yeah. I really, really like that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah i mean there's a lot of good side content there and i'm going to be playing my switch quite a bit over the course of this summer so even if i kind of finish the campaign um or the main story with zelda i think i'm going to keep going back and kind of explore stuff and generally speaking i think the payoff isn't great like you know you see a a group of bad guys and you go and fight them and and like there's a chest with like an opal in it or something, and it's just it's not all that rewarding. But I don't yeah. know, there's something about like I have to go in this well and see, and I'm really kind of enjoying the depths for for some reason. And yes, I don't know why, but I, I I think it's a cool setting. Um, other than that, I've been playing some Gran Turismo Seven. Um, there's a really cool Time Child challenge in uh in Sport mode right now at uh, Willow Springs. Willow Springs is a it's a really tough track because there are no barriers. Um, so while you're doing your time challenge, like you can't, you can't really ride curbs the way you would. Cause if you get four wheels onto the gravel, then you've invalidated your lap time. Um, uh, but it is a cool track, lots of sweeping turns and stuff. And it's short too. You can get a lap in like one minute, 20 seconds. So I really like that. Uh, got a Brown's time. Um, I also, I like doing this thing where, uh, wherever F1 is, if that track is in the game, then I like, doing a bunch of time trialing um, and F1 was in Spain this weekend at, at Catalonia. Um, so I spent a bunch of time doing time trials there so that when I'm watching qualifying in the race, I can have kind of a better <laughs> appreciation for the track. And, that's amazing. And what they're doing. So yeah, that's a fun thing to do. They're in Canada next uh, in Montreal. And unfortunately that, that track is not in the game, but uh, they'll be in Germany soon at the, at the Nürburgring. So that'll be a fun one to, to jump into, but yeah, that's uh that's it for me. Dave,
0: Dave, you got to get the F1 car in uh, in GT. It's super expensive. It's like insanely expensive. But
1: there was one formula car in one of the uh, the um, the license tests. I'm sure you guys all know the one I'm talking about. It's it's at uh, Laguna Seca. Yeah, and and it's just driving that thing is insane. Oh, but dude, like once crazy. you get it, it's it's so good. Like the fact that you can like hit your braking point in, like, fifth gear, slam on the brakes, and, like, in half a second, you're you you're down to your cornering yeah. speed and stuff. And, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I really like the GT3 cars, the group, sorry, the group 3 cars. Yeah. Um, they're kind of the most balanced. But, yeah, it's uh, a lot of good cars in that game, and they'll just keep coming, too. Absolutely. Coming.
0: Our buddy Justin is into uh, to F1. And I guess Brandon mentioned to him that you were into F1, and he said, well, great, next time we play Redfall together, we can talk about it. <laughs> um i think he knew that that would probably never happen but you know it was the thought that kind of yeah but. the other thing i've been playing uh this week is i finally maybe a little inspiration from dave maybe just a little inspiration from uh from the upcoming sequel sat down and played hellblade i also did it for a video because i nice. thought it make a good video uh but played hellblade and i don't really know that i have a lot to talk about with that game that hasn't been talked about already um other than the fact that I really enjoyed it. And I always knew I was going to enjoy it, but I still didn't really know what it was about, other than the fact that it was about, you know, there was a lot of mental health stuff in there and that it was kind of creepy and that, you know, the general tone of the game. But I didn't realize how much, uh, you know, mythology was embedded within that game. And I didn't realize uh, that there was like any combat at all, I don't think, until after I started playing it. And so that was a nice surprise for me as well. And so I just I am very high on Hellblade, and even more excited now about the sequel. I was excited from the moment they announced that sequel, and they just showed uh, uh, Senua like chanting, right. them chanting, and her, her there. Right. And I remember when we were at the Game Awards when Hellblade won some giant award, or maybe no, it was Molina, the 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 actress for uh, Senua, that won an award, and um she wore her motion capture suit yeah yeah, that was really cool but i just remember like always being intrigued and interested in the game and just i don't know it's like oh you hear it's a seven hour game and you're like i'll get to that eventually and then you just never get to it right so i finally decided i'm getting to it and so i took off time from zelda uh and played that instead so um really enjoy hellblade if you haven't played it yet my god uh don't be like me play it game pass too and it's on game pass of course um it's funny because I played it on Game Pass and then later realized I own it on PlayStation and didn't know it. Oh, I own sure. it digitally. I don't know when I got it, Yeah, but I have it. So could have gotten trophies. Instead, I got achievements. <laughs> Said you got gamer score. I got gamer score. Whatever. I didn't care. I don't care about that stuff. But. <laughs> and that's it for me pretty much this week. Um, didn't really play a lot. but Also, I guess at the same time, I did play a lot. It didn't seem like I was playing a lot through the week, but if I look back, I'm like, wow, I played a whole game and part of another one. Yeah. So I think that's it. That's it. That's it for the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us. I said, ladies, we all know. Actually, we do know there are some ladies who listen to the show. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We appreciate you hanging out with us and uh, checking out what we have to say. Try to keep it nice and tight and compact for y'all. Appreciate you hanging out in the discord. Appreciate your support over on Patreon. Of course, Join us there, either place, if you can and you want to. We would appreciate that. And other than that, we'll see you next week. The HP Podcast is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash phantom. Thanks to our producers, Grabalicious, Christian Snow, Rainick, Chris Bylock, Derek O., Nuke Dukem, Brian Parrott, Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels' Edwin Castillo, Boots, Poots, Jared. Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Wormhats.